Welcome to episode 609 of the PS Nation podcast. We are getting closer to a year, Michael. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I think I caught sorry, a, little, sorry. a little off guard with that one because he knows I usually do something else before that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's just, this is the third time we've tried to record, so I'm just like, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Skype, Skype's been having fun and computer updates have been having fun and life's been going on for all of us. So along with frigid, frigid temperatures, I think for all three of us. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, I was so. in the city yesterday when it was like five degrees. Yeah. Fuck. So, yep. Those those voices you hear are Josh Langford. That's me. And Michael Swick. I'm over it. Yep. And I'm Dave, and we are your hosts for the podcast for this for PS Nation. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Um, if you are listening on iTunes and you are able to leave us a subscription, that would be much appreciated. Or any other service that allows you to leave a um, a review. So it moves us up on the charts and it helps us and gets more exposure to the site. If you can't leave a review, like we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, just share the podcast, retweet it, share it on Facebook, tell a friend, tell the person you're in line with or sitting next to at the doctor's office what you're listening to, anything like that. Um, that would all be appreciative. You can subscribe uh, to the podcast on psnation.com where it will send you direct contact to the RSS feed. And you can also stream the podcast on Stitcher. Um, Stitcher, I believe, lets you leave reviews. So we've got a pretty packed show today. Lots of impressions, um, for, at least from me, from some of my traveling for the last couple of weeks. Part of the reason why I missed one of the podcasts. But uh, we're going to jump right into some light news. So I'm going to throw it over to Michael. Yep. Pretty light week. I mean, everyone like kind of blew their news load. That's horrible way of putting it. Uh, last week, with all the games being canceled and all the divorces, wow. uh, but we got some more uh, like kind of depressing news. Uh, I, I, I was telling uh, Dave earlier before we recorded. And I don't know if Josh heard about it, but uh, Josh, you're you're familiar with Machinima, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so their parent company, uh, which yeah. apparently was Warner Brothers and then became AT and T put all of their videos and channels in private mode, making them inaccessible to people on YouTube now. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so all of the work, we're talking about, like, Machinimo has been around forever. I remember watching their videos in high school, like, 10 years ago. And I, 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 wasn't, <laughs> a, I wasn't a huge fan. <laughs> I wasn't a, like a huge Machinima fan, but there's there's always a couple videos, and a lot of people I know grew up watching Machinima videos, and the fact that all of their work now is gone uh, for the time being is just like insane to me. But like this is the world we live in, where pe- big conglomerates purchase channels, and yeah, they can do this. Uh, the, but that's uh, the thing. Everything on the internet is is temporary basically you know unless somebody has a backup somewhere if somebody turns something off it's gone yeah and the like the the channel still has uh as of this recording 12.3 million subscribers Hmm. so you have to imagine like there's enough people currently subscribing to it that there's there's people that are willing to consume the content still yeah. Or look up the old videos, which companies can make ad revenue. But I guess when you're like an AT and T, the ad revenue from old Machinima videos just isn't worth it. But like, 
Google what's, it, hosts, what's it costing them though to host it? You I know, know that's like, what I'm saying. They, they don't host it. YouTube hosts it. So I don't. I just don't understand. Uh, they, they, and the reasoning they gave. Uh, so um, a representative uh, from Outer Media, which I guess is the like company that does is like maintaining the content or supposed to be in charge of the content. Their PR said, company probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are focused on creating new content with the Machinima team which will be distributed on new channels to be announced in the coming months. In the meantime, the Machinima network of creator channels continues to showcase the talents of the network as part of the focus of new content. We have pivoted pivoted from distributing content on a handful of legacy operated channels. Uh, which makes it sound like they're just going to like make a new channel and re-upload the videos there, hopefully. Maybe to get some new ad revenue and views on them. Maybe. Or maybe their lawyers said, you know, there's some questionable shit with all the YouTubers that are saying bad things and getting in trouble. You know, <laughs> let's let's just not even bother. Let's just shut down all that old stuff and sign people to new contracts and force them to use the language we want. Let's, and, let's put an intern on finding all the videos that are that, that yeah, would be flagged exactly. appropriate. Well, yeah. So it's Maybe. funny. So, so if you go to their YouTube channel now, uh, there's only one video available or one series available, and it's a Minecraft The Noob Adventures series. It's <laughs> the only thing left on their channel. Everything Jeez. else is in private. So maybe they did find the offensive material and get rid of it, and all that was left <laughs> was this Minecraft series. Uh, but yeah, no, this is kind of crazy to me. But like you said, Josh, like this is kind of the reality of the situation, the digital age. Like, yeah, that's it. Josh wants disc copies of YouTube videos. <laughs> I want disc copies of the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have a burner, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's important to Josh, he just burns it. I've been downloading the internet the past twenty years. <laughs> You're the thing keeping the blank CD drive or like DVD companies alive. Fuck yeah. <laughs> We hear Josh Built my house. The FBI raids his house and they're ca- carrying boxes out and they just say the internet on them. <laughs> <laughs> I built my entire house out of DVDs. <laughs> Someone's got to archive archive.org. <laughs> it will be Josh Flamford's. Secretly has it all. He's got it all in zip drive still. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, yeah. I do have my zip drive in a box somewhere. And <laughs> my, my jazz drive. A jazz oh drive. You don't even remember that one, do you? I, probably, I bet you my dad does. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one gigabyte uh, drive. That was like a that thing was like a almost like an eight track tape. It was yeah. fucking huge. Well, I, I remember when I was a kid. So both of my parents are accountants. Um, my dad had a, a day job and they ran an accounting business from the house and they had an office and. Um, Every night, like, I'd be up late, and the computer just starts doing some random shit at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. And one day I asked my dad as I got older, like, what's going on? And he essentially, like, backed up his entire computer, like, once a week onto zip drives. Yeah. <laughs> because he had a lot of stuff on there for, you know, like, tax files and things like that, you know, for people and stuff. Yeah. It was always interesting because he always had these, like, zip drives sitting next to next to his computer and stuff like that. So, Well, I had backed up a bunch of stuff onto the jazz, one of the jazz discs, and that fucking thing failed on me after the, like right around the same time or right after the hard drive crashed. Mm. So I lost all that shit anyway. I was like, well, that was worthless. That's why you just pay for cloud storage or realize. Dude, none of oh yeah. Really there, there was no cloud storage, man. 
I this just was remember he had like a rotation of like four uh, four discs, and he so like if something like that happened, Josh, he always had like like disc one, two, or three was okay. So four got corrupted. Yeah. It only he only lost like maybe a week. Yeah. Well, those discs cost like a hundred bucks each. This was not a time where you could just be dropping money on those things. I mean, uh, Michael, this was the time of 56 K modems. I, I was this time. was not. I, I saw like the tail end of that stuff. He got yelled at for picking up the phone to call somebody. <laughs> no, when I try to play StarCraft and someone would pick up the phone, and be like, "What are you doing? I almost won that game. I had no chance of winning." It was always the best when you could whoever picked up the phone, and you could actually hear them saying "Hello, hello," like through your speakers or your computer. Yeah. <laughs> Which? Uh, well, wait. What was it? Was it Star sixty six or Star? What was the one to stop your uh, incoming calls? Oh, like I don't know. Star six seven or something like that. Yeah. Star six seven was to mask your identity. Star sixty nine is to redial. But Star yeah. six eight. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just, yeah, because I had the I had the call waiting thing would would always cut you off the internet. So I had to block all that, block incoming calls so that I could get on the internet and download Diablo overnight. The 50 meg download for the Diablo demo overnight. My 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 internet was AOL discs. So that's that's as far back as I go. Uh, uh, see, the internet was on a disc. It was at one point, <laughs> and it was all just an AOL keyword. It's weird. Yep. The whole internet was AOL keywords and chats. So, yeah. speaking of other things taking over the internet, how about another Fortnite lawsuit, Michael? Yeah. So we missed this one. La- or I missed this one last week. I apologize because I know everyone cares about Fortnite one jo- lawsuits. One, jo- one job. I mean, we just need Josh to make sure he updates his computer, and we need you to make sure that you get the news. That's all we need. As the most millennial millennial here, I apologize <laughs> greatly for missing out on the Fortnite dance lawsuits. Uh, Dave's still a millennial. He's like close to not being a millennial. <laughs> um, all right. So this, this is a funny one. So um, this would probably be Josh's favorite person. Um, Orange Shirt Kid. Uh, Josh, you're a big fan of Orange Shirt Kid. Oh, fuck yeah. He's my favorite. There's Backpack Kid and we have Orange Shirt Kid. So, Orange Shirt Kid. I kind of like Green Slurpee Kid, though. Uh, you know what? His early stuff <laughs> was good, but his later stuff, you know. He's in rehab now, probably. Well. Um, okay. So, Orange Shirt Kid is a kid that when Epic did a, a contest called was it the boogie down contest where they had people submit dance videos that they said maybe could make it in a game. They were just doing a contest to build the community. Uh, one of the people that submitted a dance for it was orange shirt kid. Uh, and his dance was the orange justice dance. It eventually made it into the game uh, after a bunch of fans petitioned with change.org to Epic to include it in a game. Um, so the kid was happy. Everyone was happy. They got the shirt, uh, the orange shirt kids dance in the game. Well, his mom is now suing Epic for not paying their son for the dance being included in the game, which the dance was never actually charged for. It was a free dance that you can get. Um, yeah. but she has joined the law firm that, uh, the other, uh, celebrities and backpack kid because backpack kid's not a celebrity um the celebrities <laughs> and backpack kid are in uh the law firm that's representing him is also representing this 
woman and uh, her child. Um, All right. If I'm a judge, I'm going to listen to this podcast and what you just said there, <laughs> that this was a contest or whatever it was, and he sent the video in and it was it was included and that was that. And I'm going to say, okay, uh, case closed. Get the fuck out of my courtroom. That's exactly <laughs> like why I mentioned it that way is because he leg- he uploaded this video to be part of this contest. And Epic, yeah. during a contest, said... You know, the winner is not guaranteed to be in the game, but there's a chance we'll use it for promotional materials. There's like a whole disclaimer. There's a whole disclaimer that basically says you're not getting paid for this shit. Anything you submit is ours, period. Yeah. And it's so so the mom knowing this uh, deleted the YouTube video entry from her YouTube account Uh, and from his Instagram account. Like nobody will know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, ooh, let me delete this stuff and then join the, uh, the lawsuit. The thing that's crazy to me about this is the law firm that's representing the people that actually have cases are representing this mom, which I feel like makes their other cases look bad to some degree. But I guess mm. it's a big law firm. They're just like, let's get everyone we can yeah. and hope no one pays attention to the individuals and we just have all of these people in on it. But, yeah. Yeah. That's stupid. So much fucking fun. I, I love like all this craziness. But yeah, it, it's just going to be weird just seeing more and more people just jump in on this. Uh, but yeah, but like you said, Josh, this should easily be thrown away. Like, yeah, it, it's there's like um, the, the link we have is from Variety uh, and they got the court case on there. If you want to page through 29 pages. <laughs> of this lawsuit. Jeez, no thanks. Evening uh, reading material. So. It, man, it's just crazy, like, just going through, like, all this, because it mentions, you know, like, Epic generated between one mil- one billion and two billion dollars in this game. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, like, all these dances game. that people are suing them from are, like, they're free, right? So, like, Epic's not no, even no, technically... No, so, Orange Shirt Kids, his was free. The rest of them were part of Battle Pass or paid. So that's what I'm saying. Like, Orange Shirt Kid... I hate that I have to refer to people. Just say say OSK. Yeah, OSK. It it sounds better that way. So Orange Shirt Kid, um, (laughs) he has, like, the least... Like, he has the least amount of things to build his case on because it was a free dance that he submitted to a contest. But, yeah. like, the other ones, like Millie, uh, the Millie Rock, uh, Backpack Kid, uh, they, their <laughs> dances were actually, like, charged for. Uh, but, man, it, it, the crazy thing is, as this goes uh, further into trial, we'll probably find out more about, like, how much money Epic's really making. Because we have, like, estimates now. Uh, but Well, they said in any- 2018, Fortnite made, like, $2.3 billion. Yeah, but I want to know... A free-to-play game made yes. $2.3 billion. That's insanity. And Netflix recently was asked, who's your biggest competition, Amazon yeah. or Hulu? And they yeah. said, no, Fortnite is our biggest competition. Yeah, it really is for everybody at this yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, those figures were like crazy. So like they released some stuff, um, like the top premium PC and console games by revenue, like... This is kind of like tying into a little bit with um, what we were talking about last week with like EA and Star Wars and stuff like that, where like Jason Schreier's reported that like the 
the Electronic Arts uh, board that's like going to these people about making games is saying like, well, FIFA makes you know this much money, so why can't? Where is that going to be coming from in a Star Wars game? Um, as an example, like Players Unknown Battleground generated um, 1.02 million. FIFA 18 made 790 million, and then as a reference, FIFA 19 made 482 million. This was all in 2018. Yeah. Player unknowns billion or million? Uh, million. Million. Okay. Yeah, and then you know from the free to play aspect, uh, Fortnite was 2.4 billion, and then like Dragon Fighters Online was 1.5 billion, and League of Legends was like 1.4 billion. So this is why, uh, you know, because now it's like Fortnite's becoming very common terminology. Everybody knows what it is, so people are just trying to strike while the iron's hot. So. Yeah, man, I d- I'm just reading through this like. So the thing I'm interested about is like as this goes to trial or if it goes to trial or if they settle, we'll probably hear about like how much an individual individual song actually earned Epic, which will be or individual dance earned Epic, which will be interesting. But I'm just reading through this um, uh, on page 19 of 29 using Orange Shirt Kids fame to stay relevant to its current players to incentivize those players to continue to play Fortnite. So like their their pitch for their lawsuit is Fortnite needed Orange Shirt Kid to stay relevant. So they used Orange Shirt Kid's dance. <laughs> which is this... Oh, I love I love this. And like throughout the lawsuit, if you read any of this stuff, it just constantly says Orange Shirt Kid, Orange Shirt Kid, Orange Shirt Kid. Oh man, I, I kind of want to go like in the courtroom and watch <laughs> this trial. Just to hear a judge just constantly say, Orange Shirt Kid, Backpack Kid. <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic. But yeah, we'll move on from that because I could just read right. this yeah. thing as a podcast, this this court right. document. You want to hit us with the December MPD? Yeah. So this one, uh, we, we just started to record and I found the NPDs were released just like three hours ago. Uh, this is the December 2018 NPDs. Can you guys guess which game won December? Smash. Yes, Smash Brothers. I, you guys probably have the new story open. So, um, <laughs> that yeah, was so, all over Twitter today. So, yeah, um, the top selling games of December. I'll just give like top ten. Number one was Smash Brothers Ultimate. Number two was Red Dead Redemption. Number three, Call of Duty Black Ops Four. Number four, Battlefield Five, which I'm kind of surprised about. Um, number five, NBA Two K Nineteen. Number six, Mario Kart Eight. Number seven. Madden, number eight, Super Mario Party, number nine, Let's Go Pikachu, and number ten, Marvel Spider-Man. Uh, funny enough, uh, Grand Theft Auto V is still on the list, hanging on at number 17. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering if Red Dead coming out was going to knock it off the top 20. But, but it's, uh, for the Xbox One, it's number nine, Grand Theft Auto V. Yeah, that, that which is individually, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's always there. It's insane. Yeah, it, it's it probably won't go anywhere anytime soon. But I was I was wondering how far it would drop once Red Dead was out. Um, it turns out uh, Red Dead Redemption is actually number one of all of 2018. 
Like really, yeah. yeah. So they they released the yearly numbers. Of course, they didn't get specific on how much actually sold. Uh, yeah. But Red Dead Redemption Two is number one of 2018. Well, what I find fascinating about these figures and things like that, because we've always talked about like tracking digital sales and stuff like that, and it says like the like the little asterisk next to it indicates PC digital sales not included. So no PC platform at all. Yeah, because <laughs> they're yeah. all digital. Yeah, um, and, but it's 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 funny though because like, um, where is it? Uh, Red Dead was number two. Uh, Grand Theft Auto is number eleven for twenty eighteen. So Rockstar has like two two major games. Uh, this doesn't include um, Switch Digital because Nintendo doesn't release those. But Smash Brothers only had a month and it is number five mm-hmm. for yeah. twenty eighteen. Uh, it's just crazy. Marvel Spider Man number six for twenty eighteen. God of War. Number eight. Uh, I, I'm so, fascinated that Far Cry Five is that high. Me too. I felt like Far Cry kind of came and went really fast. Like you, you enjoyed it. I know a lot of people that enjoyed it, but it didn't seem like people were talking about it like a month after. No, no but they bought it. <laughs> they bought it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure Ubisoft is like, eh, whatever. They bought it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys are looking at the list. Anything pop out of you? Surprising, or everything kind of seems pop out of me. Oh, I don't know. Let me check. Hang on. Do any Um, of the games pop out to you? Uh, At least the twenty, the top twenty. Dragon Ball. (laughs) It was a really good game. It was like the first good Dragon Ball game. I'm sure someone's mad if I said that, but it was. (laughs) But I think that it just shows you that, like the the that that shooter genre that like that. That typical, I mean, I hate to say this, but that typical Madden, COD, Battlefield person still exists, especially on Xbox. Yep. No, no. (laughs) Well, I mean, not to not to be the dick and rag on them, but Xbox doesn't have much else. Right. But going, it doesn't have much exclusive. The Call Call of Duty bra, you know, like the guy that just the people that own consoles just for Call of Duty and Madden and things like that, and. Then they buy the battle, the, the the numbered battlefield that comes out every three years or whatever. Yeah, you know, because like Hardline and Battlefield One, like even though Battlefield One is a numbered battlefield, it's not. Like, well, this is this is two, three, and four on the Xbox. Yeah, Call of Duty, yeah. Battlefield, Madden, and then NBA, yeah. and then Forza, and then on so, PlayStation, it's two, five, and six. So, yeah, which uh, is split up by Spider Man. And well, NBA again. There, I'm curious. Like, like it looks like Just Cause Four. Like, I mean, that's a little bit of surprising as well. At least on you know on PlayStation and on Xbox. Yeah, um, it's number fifteen overall for the year too. So, like, you know, for Square Enix to have the fifteenth best-selling game that came out what in October. Yeah, good on Avalanche because I don't think Just Cause Three did that well. Um. At least it didn't seem to do that well because those giant collector's edition boxes dropped in price almost immediately mm-hmm. or pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's good. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is in there. Yeah, It's a really good year for Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're doing well. And they already well. have pretty good years set up for this year, too. Yeah. 
got some stuff coming, man. Yeah, so. uh, that's it for for news. Unless you guys want to hear about Soldier Boy getting no bitch slapped no, by Epic. Bullshit again. Um, I mean, the only other thing that I wanted to add in there, and it's not there, it's not like a full length thing. So, Mike, last week we were talking about the Bungie Activision split. Uh, I found it very interesting that a couple days later, during one of Bungie's weekly updates, Luke Smith actually publicly spoke on the on the weekly update, and that's the first time we've heard Luke Smith speak about destiny um since before destiny 2 released um so it's interesting that the the time where they pretty much break away from activision and he's he you know he speaks uh his title did change uh he is now the destiny franchise director so he before he was like the game director for destiny 2 or whatever and his his official title at bungie now appears to be destiny franchise director and um his statement i'm not going to read it or anything like that but they essentially just doubled down on their commitment to destiny and their commitment to self-publishing so it'll be pretty interesting because everybody's there's all these rumors like going on because like Phil Spencer tweeted at you know Destiny and at Bungie and things like that and everybody's like they're going back to Xbox like no they're not <laughs> like, they're gonna make so. mobile games yeah. well that's the thing that <laughs> NetEase company that they signed that hundred million dollar contract with is a is a mobile based company too so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that goes but um, you'd be all over Destiny Mobile <laughs> Destiny not. Go that might be right draw the line. <laughs> That's all it's going to be. They're not coming back to consoles. They're going straight mobile. <laughs> a match three Destiny game. I'm done. Yep. yep. Uh, Destiny. <laughs> Destiny three clicker. Uh, Endless runner. Endless runner Destiny. Yep. Potential. Well, what if, if you let, went let, around <laughs> like Pokemon Go style and you just collected ghosts that would pop oh up? My gosh. Oh my god! That would give you lore every time you collected them. <laughs> Jesus. Well, let's see if there's any uh, match three games in the new releases for the week of January 27th. Oh, I Man. hope not. I love me some match three games. Uh, all right. Tuesday, January 29th, we have a game called Genesis Alpha 1 for $29.99. It is rated M. Uh, Genesis Alpha 1 is from Team 17. Um, it is... And Radiation Blue. Uh, it is a roguelike shooter with base building and survival uh, that puts you in the role of an interstellar pioneer. Uh, so, okay. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, looks like first-person shooter type um, with everything else in it. Uh, randomly generated universe. Alien infestations. Uh, harvesting resources, all that stuff. Uh, then we have the Council Complete Edition for nineteen ninety nine, rated M. This has all five episodes on the disc. Uh, <laughs> which you know, unlike some other companies, uh, it's all there. Uh, there's over a dozen hours of gameplay. Um. Strong RPG mechanics, blah, blah, blah. This one's about uh, 1793, and you're in this, uh, you're a member of this council with Napoleon Bonaparte and George Washington and some other people, and it's like this weird stuff going on that you have to figure out. 
Uh, then we have Kingdom Hearts 3 for $59.99, rated E10+. Plus. And there is a deluxe edition for $79.99 that includes a... Are you playing the music, damn you? <laughs> Uh, that includes a steelbook case, a collectible pin, and an art book. Uh, so that will get you... doesn't even say how many pages that art book is. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Six pages. Uh, no, it doesn't say. Uh, so, yeah. Kingdom Can I tell Hearts you guys 3. I'm excited for this game? I am. But I'm not going to get anywhere near it for like good three or four years, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm my excitement is tempered. Obviously, I'm like, I'm I'm excited for everybody that's in it, and it looks like it's going to be really awesome and great. But yeah, I'm not going to be anywhere near it. It's like Spider Man was. Yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, Spider Man's going to be awesome, but. I'm not going to play it for a year or two anyway, but, so... But at least you don't have to play through nine games to get to it. Or, or you know, for Spider-Man, you'd have to play through nine games. Yeah, yeah. But, man, so, like, I've had this game pre-ordered for five years on Amazon. <laughs> like, every time I go to the page, it's like, you pre-ordered this... You bought this game five years ago. Yeah. And there's a chance that if this game gets delivered before I have to go to work that day... I might have to call off work. Thank God my boss does not listen to this. Uh, but man, there's a chance. If that game comes in, because the mail like kind of comes in around the same time I leave for work. You didn't take like the day of and after off? No, no. Actually, a couple of my coworkers did, so they beat me to it. Like Kingdom Hearts is one of those games that everyone in my like age range like has been waiting for this game, super excited. So there's like four or five people that asked for like days off for this game. Uh, so my work is going to completely stop when this game comes out. You need to flex your seniority at that store a little better there, buddy. Yeah, I might. Or I'm just going to call off. <laughs> All right. Uh, then on Friday, February 1st, for twenty nine ninety nine rated E ten plus, we have eight bit hordes. It's a real time strategy game, um, arcadey. Uh, supposed to be pretty easy to get into. Uh, you do base building, all that stuff. Um, looks kind of neat if you're into that kind of game. And then we have this. I'm not sure if this is actually coming out. Uh, Amazon says it's coming out. February 1st. GameStop says it's not. Uh, the website for the game says it may or may not be coming in February. I don't know. It's a weird thing. So this is Song of Memories from P-Cube. And it says rated pe- rating pending, but it's got to be rated M because you become the most popular guy around, romance six gorgeous girls, and reshape your story around the, your chosen one true love with multiple endings up for grab. Uh, forget static visual novel conversations. Fully animated characters move and react to one another. One another's lines. Yeah, it's one of those with the cutesy anime girls in little miniature skirts and tight tops and... Uh, so yeah, 
Don't know when that's actually coming. Maybe coming this week. This next week. uh, We don't know. And that's it. That's all that's coming out. All right. Uh, Hang on. Lost my place for a second. So um, all of those. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to buy Kingdom Hearts or pre-ordered, if you haven't done, done so already multiple years ago. Um, you can do that by clicking on the show notes, and on the show notes, we'll have Amazon links that will take you directly to that. Or if there's other things that you want to buy, you can just go to psnation.com, and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a Buy Stuff link. Click on that. It'll take you to multiple store links that will take you to those stores. It doesn't change your shopping experience at all, but we get some commission for that. Um, and you can go to zazzle.com uh, and look under PlayStation Nation merchandise, and you can be the third person now. Within the last month to buy a Son 10-year a anniversary sheet. <laughs> we have two people that have bought that. them. Fuck. <laughs> right before we recorded, Michael said that somebody else bought a 10-year anniversary shirt. He got an email about it. Someone bought it yesterday. One of these days. And again, if you are one of the people that has bought that shirt, please just tweet at us or say something on our Facebook page or something like that so we know who you are so we can... You know, I can tag Josh in it and say, <laughs> just mess with them even more. <laughs> you lucky motherfuckers. <laughs> um, and then also our video services, twitch.tv slash psnation, where we are an affiliated Twitch channel. Um, if you have Amazon Prime, you can link Amazon Prime and your Twitch account, and you'll have something called Twitch Prime, and you get one free sub a month. There's a, a large handful of you that are already doing that and using that sub on PS Nation, and we greatly appreciate it. Um or you can, if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can just choose to sub to us directly. It's like four ninety nine for a tier one sub, and we would appreciate that as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash PS Nation is where we have uh, we post a lot of our YouTube uh, videos, uh, trailers, and things like that. Um, I have some footage from some, from some games that I need to try to work on to get up there. Um, and the my wife and I, I'll talk about it more in what we're planning on watching, but my wife and I did start our Detroit playthroughs this week. So um, we're going to try to upload those to YouTube as well. So go ahead and drop a subscription over there. So um, you can also go to psnation.com where we have a ton of reviews that have hit the site uh, over the last couple weeks. And there are some new additions. So I'm going to throw it back to Josh. Uh, One new addition this week. It's Vane, uh, which is a PS4 game. It's along the lines of a journey type thing where you're just kind of dropped in with no real explanation as to what you're doing or where you're going, and you just kind of have to figure your way through it. Uh, Brock put that one up. It is rated E10+, and you can check that out on the website. All right, so what we're playing and watching, um, I have a decent amount of stuff to talk about, so do either one of you want to go first? Go for it, Josh. Okay. Um, What did I play? I played... uh, Oh, I played Rage 2, but I can't talk about that till next week. Did you bring me any cupcakes? I did not. You suck. Damn it. (laughs) I only had I only ate one of them and then left. Dude, it was like it was when I walked in the door, it was negative five degrees. When I walked out the door, it was like six degrees. So I wasn't carrying anything anywhere at that point. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
but I also have been playing the original Rage on the PS3 um, because I've had it all this time and never got to play it at all. So it was actually very interesting starting that up after I had played Rage 2 so I could compare and contrast very much. Uh, and then when I was uh, dicking around on my PS3 there, I found out that the PS3 version of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas has a fucking platinum trophy. Why did nobody tell me this? Uh, it's funny, though, because uh, <laughs> so yesterday we couldn't record because uh, Josh was having computer problems. And I knew we lost him completely, regardless of if the computer was fixed, because <laughs> yeah. it said... Josh Langford's playing San Andreas, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> he's gone. We lost. But honestly, him. man, come on, it has a platinum. So how far away from it are you? <laughs> Forever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just started. Um, I mean, I I 100%ed on the PS2 years ago. Um, oh, okay. I was like, wait, you didn't play this one? I, I get yeah. It. Okay. Yeah, on the PS3, you know, I have it on the PS3, and I'm sure I have it on the PS4, because I'm sure they did a PS2 version of it for the PS4. I think they did. I, I don't think that has trophies. If it does... It does, I, thought I think. It, I, I thought that they added that it was a whole yeah, part of did. the PS2 to PS4, like upscaling and trophy They were doing some, oh, okay. no, but I, not all. I believe it all. does, too, but I could be wrong. Okay, if that has a platinum, we're in trouble. <laughs> I may never play anything else again. Turn it over to the Grand Theft segment with Josh. <laughs> um, but uh, what else I was I was doing uh, Kingdom Hearts, of course, a little bit more with the kids. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of time, so we didn't get too far in there. Um, Every time you then, say Kingdom Hearts, I'm just playing music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so lucky I'm not editing this week. So then I was messing around <laughs> on the PS3 and looking what else is on there. Um, I, I think I might go back to my PS3 because just skimming through the stuff in the menu, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize I had this game or, oh, I never touched that game. And uh, But this afternoon, late this afternoon, I started messing with all the uh, game shows that were on there. Uh, so I was playing ha- Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, that's what you meant. And Jeopardy, uh, just for the hell of it. Um, the the problem with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is when I got into, you know, it breaks it down. Here's the first five questions, and then here's the next five. And in the second five, after 5,000, two of them, because it lists off what the categories are before you even start for that five section of five, uh, two of them were reality TV. And I was like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> like, and it's reality TV from like 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, the first question came up and I was like, well, I'll ask the audience. And it was like 0%, 2%, 1%, 98% or whatever it was. And I looked at it. I was like, well, fuck. Okay. D and D was wrong. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Come is- on bullshit it was it was complete bullshit (laughs) so yeah it was rigged against me i I don't like that um but i i guess that's all i played i can't think of uh anything else that i really did uh beyond those 
and the sports ones that I always play. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, should I go next then, Dave? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, for me, uh, so my girlfriend was telling me like, oh, you need to play Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh boy. Uh, Fuck, I, I want to play that. I have it, and I want to play it. I never did. <laughs> yeah, um, but me, like, I don't like playing those types of games. I've seen enough gameplay to know that's not my type of game. I'm like, yeah, no, I'd probably better watch it. Um, and she's like, well, I'll, I'll I'll play it, and you can watch me, you know, play Dragon Age Inquisition. But I was like, no, but, you know, that's the third game. I haven't seen the other two games. I was trying to delay the inevitable. Uh, but then she's like, why don't I just play the first game? And I was just like... Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, sure. So I've been watching my girlfriend go through the Dragon Age games. Um, kind of bummed out that I ignore the Dragon Age series because it's a pretty cool franchise. Like, I'm, we're only like probably like six hours into the first game. It's uh, a little like Witcher esque, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but but not uh, different combat style. You know, because right. it's you know kind of slower. A uh, little, some strategy elements, but not really strategy, strategy, just like you, you have a party that you're, you're in charge of. Um, but it's pretty cool, but it, we're playing it on PS3, but like, <laughs> I forgot how bad early PS3 games are, uh, in terms of just like technical issues. Cause usually, you know, they work for the 360 better and playing it on the PS3. And even when she originally played them, she played them on the 360, uh, and we're playing it on the PS3 and she's like, this did not run like this. On the 360, this is really bad. So we're playing a bad version of Dragon, uh, Dragon Age, because uh, we're playing the PS3 version. Uh, but it's still it's still fun. Uh, the story's pretty interesting. It's just getting over the technical stuff because man, some some of the uh, frame rates and choppiness can be like a little nauseating, uh, mm. especially if you're not controlling it, you're just watching it. Um, but that's that's been pretty good. Like I'm glad we're going through that, especially. I want to play like, uh, or I want to see Inquisition, but I don't feel like playing them because it's just not my style of game. Um, and then still continuing with Blackout. I took like two weeks off from Blackout or like a week off from, from Blackout uh, just because of uh, traveling and whatnot. Uh, they changed the UI, which has been really good uh, in terms of looting because remember, I don't know if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I said the looting system was kind of broken since the patch and they needed mm-hmm. to fix it. Uh, well, they fixed it and they completely changed it uh, for the better. To where now you don't have to like uh, scroll through like a slider to get the DLC or the the the, the items, the inventory. Uh, instead, it just gives you just a big window with everything just out in the open, so you can see everything. You don't have to like scroll through everything uh, to get it, which helps a lot, especially after you kill an enemy and you need to get what you need from it, but, you know, you can't spend too much time in the inventory. Uh, you can just see everything you need and see if it's actually worth uh, picking. Uh, then uh, played a game that I will review next week. Uh, I played, like, a fair amount of it. I'm about 60% way through the game. I'm just trying to see if there's, like, just a little bit more. Uh, it's a game called Future Grind. Uh, this is... It, it almost kind of gives me uh, the vibe of Trials. Uh, you are... On a motorcycle, or not a motorcycle, a two-wheeled vehicle, Mm. Uh, and it's uh, each tire on the the vehicle is a specific color, and they can only attach to rails of the same color. So you're jumping from rails trying to 
build up a score combo of like backflips, you know, uh, front flips and all that sort of stuff and make it to the end of the track by only touching the specific rails for that wheel. And you get a little creative hopping from rail to rail, uh, trying to do your best score combo to get to the end. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, there's only like five vehicles. I, I, I just unlocked the fifth vehicle and I looked into like uh, a little bit more from the game from, you know, like the developer notes and said there's only five vehicles, uh, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, track wise, all the tracks kind of feel and look the same outside of like the background being a little different. Uh, but it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see if this could take off the score. Uh, the scoreboards could be really interesting. Uh, in terms of if a community picks this game up, and I'm wondering to see what the difference in like skill will be, because the game is pretty difficult uh, after a while, because they'll change up the rules a little bit, or they'll give you different types of uh, like motorcycles, where it's like one big wheel, one small wheel, and then that changes like the momentum as you're jumping between rails. Uh, so the skill uh, curve, uh, you know gets a little bit more difficult as the game progresses. So I'm wondering to see if, like, a community uh, attaches to this to see how competitive that scene could be uh, when people that know what they're doing are actually playing, as opposed to me, who's just doing my best, barely making it by. Uh, um, just because... Uh, they, they do have accessibility options uh, in terms of, like, hey, it doesn't matter what color the wheel is. Uh, you can just... To hop rail to rail, but it completely defeats the purpose of the, the game. The, to oh, you suck setting. <laughs> yeah, the you the, the suck setting is basically just like the most easy of easy mode because, like, the whole skill and difficulty in it is, you know, balancing, you know, making sure your the wheels matches match the rail, or else the the race is over. Your your bike explodes. Um, so taking that away to where it's like, yeah, just touch whatever rail you want, just. You can burn through the game too much. I turned it on just to see, like, how it would be in the game. Just Yeah, sure. Just to see, right. No, no, no. Totally just to see. <laughs> I may have gotten stuck on one level, and I'm like, let me look at that accessibility options. Um, I mean, it's cool that they I love have it when it. the game shows on the screen says, hey, are you aware that you can change the level to this? Yeah. I'm so glad. Like, I get that this- sometimes. A lot. <laughs> if this game has that feature i haven't seen it yet but but i'm glad i didn't see something like that because that always discourages me when the game tells me like hey uh you might want to go down to easy um it's cool it that they have the discouraged me it motivates me even more i'm like oh hell no i'm not doing that <laughs> that i i talked about that there was some game years ago that did that to me and i was like fuck you and then i got stuck there for another 20 minutes and i'm like would you pop up again for fuck's sake and let me yeah. let me go down a level <laughs> god of war was pretty notorious for it on the on the you know saying that you could knock the difficulty level down i think i had that pop so up times. i had that pop up once for me in god of war and it was cuz i was fighting like a valkyrie yeah and was no really... no i'm not even talking about this god of war i was talking about more of the ones of the ps3 one so yeah yeah cuz i believe PS2, the new god of war guess, said yeah. that uh uh, I believe it did. I or if it didn't, I, I might be misremembering. Um, yeah, I mean it's a cool game. I'm I'm enjoying it. The music's really cool. Uh, I'm just hoping uh, some of the later game stuff adds a little bit more challenge, or at least changes enough of the gameplay up. Because right now, like uh, my meter, my percentage complete is sixty percent, and everything from one percent to sixty percent felt pretty 
similar. Like, very little challenge, and uh, the gameplay just hasn't changed up enough, despite getting new vehicles. Uh, so I'm hoping there's just a little bit more uh, when I do the full review for it. Um, I will say, though, I love games like this when they have the instant restart. You know, when you make a mistake, yeah. you hit a button and it immediately loads you right back to the beginning of the yeah. track without a load screen. This has it. It's fantastic. That, yeah, it's the kind of game that needs that. Oh, for sure. Like, I've played a couple games that don't have this feature that should, and it, it makes such a difference. And I'm glad they yeah. have one, and it's seamless. Or it's just... Though I've hit it a couple times accidentally, because it's this <laughs> triangle, and I'm just like, oh, why'd I do that? Uh, but uh, games like this need that. Um, then uh, th- I think that's it for, for playing. It's just been like watching a lot of Dragon Age and playing this and hopping back into Blackout. Uh, for watching, uh, outside of the football games, I actually did watch the football games like the fourth quarter of each game, which turned, or the fourth quarter and overtime of each game, which turned out <laughs> to be like the best part. Yeah. Uh, and hearing Tony Romo being like the greatest like commentator in the history of football. No, no, his commentation ability is not very good. His ability to know what is going on in the game is excellent. That's all I care about. Is this yeah. the fact he's like, yeah, they're going to do this, and then they do it. It's just like, well, damn. But his you should play like football, somebody, Tony Romo. You know that <laughs> needs to take him to like. And I, I, I'm terrible at it as well, but somebody needs to take him to, like, broadcast school and teach him how to pitch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, but it's his first year. The fact that he's able to, like, just nail this. Just like we are in our first year, Dave. And yeah. we will show improvement in year two. I'm not going to well, talk to you about say that, promo. but, you know. That's yeah, true. Look at Josh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? eight nine ten years in whatever it is yeah. and yeah. i don't fucking know what i'm doing still doesn't know how to update his computer yes yeah. speaking <laughs> of which uh we finished game of thrones season seven nice, nice. uh yeah. so you're all caught up all caught so what up what is that like another six weeks what is it march april something 14th. like that and i was like now what i said we still have to go through the goldbergs because I, she and I started, I was farther along than her, but I went back cause she just started watching it. So we're a couple episodes in on that, but she's like Westworld season two. I was like, fuck, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we got shit to shit to watch uh, so for, for watching. So I watched the Netflix fire documentary, uh. Uh, which I enjoyed greatly because I'm a poor and watching rich people struggle like makes me very happy yeah um it, it's just a hilarious documentary of just uh if you don't know there was a fire festival run by some like entrepreneur dude bro and jawrul and they put together this horrible music festival that the worst part wasn't the music because there was no music the, the worst part is they lied to all the people that bought tickets to this private island which didn't turn out to be a private island and they basically just took the took everyone for a ride in terms of like uh ripping off the customers uh completely doing fraud to the people on the island that helped like build the sets and the tents and all that stuff uh i feel bad for the people on the island that had to get basically they, they were just completely lied to. They weren't paid. I do not feel bad for the influencers and Instagrammers that paid tens of thousands of dollars to go to that festival. Uh, 
Cause yeah, that was uh, they paid all that money to have like private villas and things like that. When they got there, there was like a tent. Yeah, it was actually something left, along those lines. It was leftover tents that they used during a hurricane. Like, and like <laughs> <laughs> so they were like nice tents, but their specific use were for like a hurricane. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was it was just great to watch because. Uh, they worked with uh, this. There's a little controversy about the documentary, but they worked with uh, Fuck Jerry, which is like the media company. That yeah, that's a media company. It's a PR company, <laughs> um, who actually helped put together a lot of the promotion for this festival. So it's a little weird that like. Huh. Uh, so they had a lot of extra footage that only uh, Jerry Media or Fuck Jerry Media. I forget exactly what they're called. Uh, uh, they had a lot of. B-roll and footage from the promotional videos that they shot that they used for this documentary. Interesting. Uh, so it was pretty interesting to watch uh, and to see how like all of that stuff went down. Uh, and then another show. I just need to rant for a couple seconds about a show that's on Netflix called Slobby's World. I uh, saw that. I watched that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a sh- it's it's a garbage reality. It's a fake reality show. It's uh, fake. Oh God, God! Please tell me you have sarcasm, Dave. Well, I like the '80s and '90s vintage stuff like that because so, I, you know, I sold shoes and stuff like that, like in that time frame in the late '90s. Yeah, no. So it's it, so it's about a dude who owns a, a real store called Generation Cool in Arizona. It's um a vi- '80s and '90s vintage store. He sells clothing, uh, bootlegs of famous brands, and. Shoes, toys, all from the 80s and 90s. Uh, my problem with the show is it's that typical fake reality show thing to where he just like, oh, I bought this shirt for $10. That's worth $500 in my store. And it's just like a cheap garbage t-shirt. But he's like, oh, I'm going to make $500 on it. And it's just like, it's definitely one of those things where those reality shows, all reality shows do it. But this one I felt like was just a little over the top of just like, you know, when they go picking, they, of course, they find, like, a $2,000 jacket that's just been sitting in this thrift store uh, that Did no it, one noticed. Does he, does he have Lee jeans? No, he Lee wears Gucci. Je- it's all Gucci. <laughs> Gucci. And MCM. Yeah, Gucci, MCM, and uh, Ralph Lauren, like, polo stuff. Uh, no hammer pants? Oh, uh, no, he had some... Uh, what are those football pants from the 90s? Yeah, the the Oh, God. So, like, I, I like. I hated so I, those back then. Ugh. Those were so ugly. But, you know, Josh, how many pairs did you own? None. Okay, good. I, for Josh. <laughs> I hated those back then. I, I looked at everybody who wore them with such disdain. <laughs> I, I feel like those are those are the type of pants that, like, like a parent or a relative would have bought you just like a year no. or two too late after they became no, fashionable no. or out of fashion. No, that's no. I was I was not the type of person who was going to be wearing anything like that. Not no, <laughs> no. And everybody, you could tell by my hair and the way I was. Yeah, I was just not that person when I was younger. No. So so, so like the the show is interesting from the perspective of looking at all the stuff from like the 80s and 90s that they find. It's kind of interesting that perspective, but all the reality show trimmings around it are just frustrating, but I binged watched the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> only I, like, there was only like nine episodes, like 20 minutes each. So Yeah, it wasn't too bad, but it was just and the dude Slobby 
is just like the most cringiest person that I saw in like in a <laughs> long time. Uh, but I don't know. It, it was kind of interesting just because I remember a lot of that stuff from the 90s uh, that he has in a store overpriced as hell. Like $500 <laughs> for like a Nirvana shirt. Like, get out of here. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's it for, for playing and watching now. All right. Um, so I'm going to go in a little bit of reverse because I've got some things. So I'm going to do watching first. Um, so I started watching season two of The Punisher on Netflix. Um, I'm only like two episodes in. So I was kind of curious to see like the way that the season one ended. It kind of looked like it was going to kind of sort of be like a one and done thing. But obviously it's not. Um, and the running joke is how long before it's gonna Netflix is going to cancel it. <laughs> uh, very soon <laughs> yeah so um it's it's interesting so if you know it's 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 out i i didn't realize it was out um and then um i watched the football games um the just the atrocious call at the end of the saints uh rams game that they just completely missed um i don't really think it's the whole reason that the uh saints lost the game but it's it was pretty bad. So it was the type the of missed call you would expect from a Patriots game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then of course the overtime rule has been getting a bunch of scrutiny over the last couple of days on you know on on the on the networks and stuff like that because like it didn't even they didn't even give Kansas City a chance to Kansas City never even got the ball in overtime so. Yeah, that happened to the Eagles earlier this season in a game. Yeah, I mean, and people are saying like the the overtime rule in the regular season being the first team to score a touchdown or the after each team possesses the ball once it's true sudden death unless you score a touchdown first, like that's okay, but in the playoffs they kind of feel like they should like Kansas City should have gotten a chance cuz now essentially you get you win by a coin toss as long as you can score a touchdown. Yeah, I I don't think that's okay at any point in the season, regular season or playoffs. It's just bullshit that you win the coin toss and if you can drive down the field then game's over. Like As long as it used to be whoever scored first anything. <clears throat> yeah. So like you could like literally like drive the ball like 40 yards and kick a field goal and go home. Yeah. Um you know, but now they said that you have to score a touchdown. Um, I do not think that they should adopt the college rule because I think the college rule is just ridiculous. What is the college <laughs> how, how rule? Works. I don't oh, follow college. Yeah. So the college rule is that um, each team gets uh, – it's essentially like tick, tick, uh, tit for tat. So each team gets the ball on the 25-yard line. And um, you, if, if team one scores a touchdown and then team two has to score a touchdown, if team one scores a field goal and then – Team two scores a touchdown. The other team has it. It's, it gets really weird, but they can kind of go back and forth for a little bit. After like two or three uh, possessions, I think they have to start going for two. But you pretty much like eliminate the defense because you almost automatically start in field goal range. Like they literally like put the ball in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. Like Kansas City should have at least got had one series. Yeah, you know. But needless to say, it looks like that we have a. Uh, we were really close to a Rams. Uh, Chiefs Super Bowl, which that when they played like back in like week nine, they scored like 112 points. <laughs> so it would have been a pretty interesting Super Bowl. But now we get the the Patriots and uh, the Rams, so should be a good game. But it's kind of funny that the rumor is like this is Tom Brady's last year and his first Super Bowl when he kind of dug everybody out, and that year was against the Rams in 2001. So it's kind of like going full circle again. <laughs> but um, so then we I watched. Um, 
with Owen, he's kind of been obsessed with Transformers, so we've been watching some of the you know Transformer cartoons. But he's wanted to watch like tra- like today he wanted to watch like Transformers: Dark of the Moon, <laughs> just whatever's been showing up on like FX movies. So we've been watching some of that um, and playing. I played a little bit. I'm starting to dig into Battlefield a little bit more. Um, that is something I do need to review still. So I'm trying to get ready to catch up on that. Um, and I kind of went through like a a three week period where I just kind of had like massive gaming fatigue um or i wasn't playing very much stuff i was traveling a lot um i went to san francisco twice um and i was sick so i went i realized i was starting to do something like you know like I, i'm i've played video games in general in 2019 not counting the events i went to probably like six hours over the last like three weeks and uh like two of those have been destiny so yeah those don't um, count that's like yeah. morning coffee for you <laughs> but i haven't been playing a lot of destiny at all so that's interesting and i don't it's it's a little bit because the content is kind of drying up but it's a little bit because i just didn't really have any desire to play games or anything like that but um i did uh get to go to san francisco two weeks ago and i got to play trials rising um, and right now, uh, Ubisoft, uh, flew us out to, flew me out to San Francisco for the event. And one of the things I got to do is I got to interview John Lloyd, who is the community developer for Trials Rising. So we're going to play that interview now. So we are at a Trials Rising event. And if you can introduce yourself and tell us what you do. So my name is John Lloyd and I'm the community developer on Trials. Uh, so I work with our community to, uh, Make sure that they have what they want and what they need to continue playing the game. And uh, that's really terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, that leads into kind of one of my next questions because a lot of the things that uh, games are trying to do now is keep the players engaged exactly. daily, weekly, monthly. So, right. how is Trials doing that now? So, I mean, that's always kind of been a strength of ours because we have the track editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's always something new to do in Trials. Uh, so really, we've kind of expanded on that as much as we can uh, and looked at kind of other ways that we can do that as well. So now, in addition to the track editor kind of supplying endless content, we also have the new customization tools that will supply endless content on the customization side. Uh, we've looked a lot at local multiplayer game modes uh, to, to find more ways for players who want to sit at home and play together to play. Uh, and then, of course, we've looked at the, the main gameplay pr- progression and how we can spice that up and make it a little more uh, exciting and varied for players so it's not just playing tracks to unlock the next tracks. You get some different goals and some different objectives throughout the game. Yeah, and so with those, like as you, um, as you level up, you get boxes, and then when you open the boxes, there's stickers or there's um, emotes or other things that are in there that can be um, you know, all you know, unlocked as you play through, and it gives you more things to, to keep layering on top of your player. Exactly. And so you kind of like own your rider, and then you can own your bike, and, and even the, the moves and stuff that he does at the beginning of the matches, at the end of the matches. Um, the obvious question and usually ends up being with that kind of thing is like, is it all, is there only things that are going to be purchasable or is everything in the game earnable? Uh, I mean, it is a mix. Uh, we, we try and give enough variety and uh, one core thing that's really important for us is that uh, nothing will affect gameplay. Mm-hmm. So everybody's on a level playing field when they're playing, whether you've only bought the base game with no DLC or if you spend a bunch of money doing a, whatever you want to do. Um, so everybody has the same bikes, same tracks, same experience. Uh, 
the extra stuff is all customization and, and uh, cosmetic. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and then Trials Rising uh, comes out February 26th. And then is there post-launch content plans? Absolutely. So uh, we are we've announced our expansion pack, which will include two expansion uh, pass or two expansion packs with the expansion pass. <laughs> uh, so those will both add new tracks, new bikes, uh, new contracts. Uh, given a bunch of new content through that. Uh, and we'll be adding more content to the game outside of those expansion packs as well. Um, is con- I mean, I'm not too versed in Trials. Is Contracts something that's always been in Trials? Contracts is a new feature in Rising, okay. uh, so it really plays into the more grounded, kind of realistic uh, theme that we have going with Trials Rising. So you're in a worldwide Trials competition. And of course, as you progress through that competition, you gain the attention of sponsors. And the sponsors come in, they want you, uh, and they give you uh, they give you more objectives to do. And of course, completing those objectives will give you a little bit of extra cash, a little bit of extra XP, uh, and some uh, custom items uh, branded by whatever that sponsor might be. Um, and then, like building on the multiplayer experience of being able to you know race with friends either locally or online. Um, is it also going to be something that if I sign in after like two or three days and I can see that like my friend beat my time on a certain track? Absolutely. That really has been the core uh, competitive feature of Trials you know, since, the, since the game began, more or less, was the leaderboard competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we definitely want to highlight that for you. Uh, and you'll even just see it on the world map. You don't need to go seek it out. Like if you're playing the game and somebody beats one of your times, it's going to pop up and it's going to tell you so-and-so just beat your time on this track. Uh, and then you can immediately go back in and try and take it back. And of course, if you've been away for a little while, you'll see some of those scattered around your map, and you can go look for them as well. Um, and one of the things that I caught myself laughing at every time was like the finishing. When you finish, and there's multiple, like a one that I you had to hit the wrecking ball, and then the wrecking ball knocked you into like some uncured concrete and stuff like that. Like how how do those ideas like come out like from the team? So that's, that's like one of my favorite things. I, I feel a little bit responsible for that because way back in the day, uh, like I was one of, the, one of the people that started like really going for something epic when you finish, you know. Like I think in Trials HD, which is when I started playing, like you'd cross the finish line and maybe you'd bust through some glass or knock over some barrels or something like that. Uh, but I thought it was a lot of fun to, to give it a little bit of extra, kind of like a little moment for for everybody like for finishing the track and sure technically you're hurting the guy, but it's usually a lot of fun yeah i mean the the you're you're so prompted to just hit like hit circle when you know you mess something up but sometimes you want to see like how many barrels he's going to hit on his way down or right you know like i tripped into one of the the challenges where it was like literally it was like how far can you bounce your guy yeah yeah so like that was always interesting and there was one that had like a like a just a you had a like a gas meter and you had just a power boost and you had to see how far you could get with it and things like that sure um and then just continue like are, is there any plans for like like seasonal events or monthly events or yeah definitely we'll have uh the multiplayer itself is going to be broken up in the seasons um so that'll kind of keep the competition fresh there'll be new seasons every few months uh, and then this, with the seasons, it'll bring kind of like some new custom content. Uh, and then we will have like smaller individual kind of events, you know, like maybe a week event or a weekend event, something along those lines, giving people uh, a different kind of challenge. Mm-hmm. Can you c- touch on the track editor a little bit more? Because I think when you were showing it to me today, I think you said there's 8,000 pieces. There is a large, large number of objects <laughs> in the editor. Uh, it's over 8,000. Um, 
because we've included not just new objects for this game, but we've included objects from uh, all of our previous games going back to Trials HD. and that really gives players a huge variety of object types, different themes, to really kind of let their imagination run wild and really create whatever they want to. And you were talking about like some of like the imaging editor and stuff like that that's in there as well? Or like the, the math editor or Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a whole there's a whole uh, selection of tools that you can use to uh, like I basically describe it as a visual programming language. So you can do really simple stuff like set up a trigger, an event, so you hit a certain point and something somewhere else is going to happen or something along those lines. Uh, but you can get really deep into some of the more complicated tools uh, and come up with stuff far beyond just a normal trials track. Like we've seen people create whole other games in the trials editor. And those things can all be like shared and uploaded? Absolutely. Everything you create in the editor can be shared to Track Central. Of course, there's some uh, uh, some validation steps you have to take to make sure mm-hmm. that you're not just throwing anything up there. You have to pass the track. You have to set a few of the track settings. Um, but yeah, everything, can, everything you create, you can share with other players. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you again to Ubisoft and to John Lloyd for taking the time. Um, and uh, like I wrote in my piece, believe it or not, Trials franchise is 10 years old now. Like they've been doing things for over 10 years. Um, and so it's not a, a game that I've played a lot. I know Josh has played it um, in a couple different aspects. He's actually played Rising before I did at E3, right? Yep. So um, this is like one of those games where they haven't necessarily like uh, pun intended. They don't need to reinvent the wheel. Oh, they can just play. The, you just play the game, and it's a it's a it's it's a racing game. It's a time trial game. Um, there's a lot of customization and a lot of upgrading and stuff like that you can do. But the bottom line is to start to finish as as quick as possible. Um, they've uh, really like focused in on the community, um, the competitive, and the like the sharing. The track editor is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You get access to the same track editor that the developers use. <clears throat> And you have over eight thousand pieces that you can use to 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 make a track. Um, I could see the track editor kind of being its own game, <laughs> um, and you make a track. You have to complete the track to um, be able to upload it. So just kind of like how Little Big Planet worked, where you used to have to like complete the level to be able to upload it and things like that. So you will have to you know run through the track, and it'll give you. There are some like pre-made stuff and things like that as well, but. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. It's it's kind of the what I'm t- what I'm calling as like a is the game that you play to get away from the other games. Like when you're playing like competitive Overwatch or you know Black Ops or Destiny or Division or whatever you're playing, or you know Josh is you know going through Kingdom Hearts and trying to you know get through and, and keep the kids entertained. And it's it's good just to take a break and just watch your bike rider just like flip down a hill and hit explosive barrels and see how far you can bounce them. Um, yeah. which is a mode in the game it is fun <laughs> yeah so um i mean there's not a whole lot to to really you know to say about this this comes out um at the end of february um yeah february 26th and 
it's fun. The multiplayer modes are fun. You can mess with some in multiplayer. You can mess with like the gravity settings and to where you can have it be like really heavy gravity where you can't jump high or doing flips is hard. You can have it be really light gravity where you just kind of fly through the air. Um, you can have it where it's like <clears throat> the throttle is, is always pushed to the max. So you're trying to like keep your bike steady while you're just going full speed the whole time. You'd have no brakes. Um, so it's definitely something that you could play and, and goof around with. Um, just like massively heavy replayability of just trying to beat a time like you know i don't i'm not as competitive of a person uh, in terms of things like this but i could see the the aspect of like you don't play trials for like a day or two and all of a sudden you sign back on and michael's like beat your score by like four seconds and you're like oh well that's not going to happen and you spend the next like three hours trying to shave four seconds off your time on the same track um but it also has like the just the total just ridiculous never takes itself serious moments like where you finish a track like like i wrote in my piece where i finished one and the way to finish the race is you had to jump across a ramp and you had to slam into a wrecking ball the wrecking ball had the black and white checkerboard painted around the the ball as like the finish line and you fell into a freshly poured concrete that hadn't that hadn't cured yet and your your player just kind of sunk into the concrete um so I mean, it's just just the way that the players wipe out, or and the ridiculousness of the tracks. Like there was one that you were like on an aircraft carrier, and you were like just using boosts and things like that to get yourself from point A to point B. Where you look at something, you're like, there is no way that I can get over there, <laughs> <laughs> and then somehow you get over there. Yeah. and then just the, the die and then re- repeat like michael was talking about earlier like you can already see yourself dying so you just hit the button to go back to the last checkpoint you know and just try it again and try it again and try it again um and then it's just the i think that over the last couple of years out of all the companies um ubisoft has found the sweet spot for handling microtransactions well in terms of none of it is pay to win, none of it increases your ability to play the game. It's all cosmetic. Most of it is earnable in the game if you want it to be. And there's a couple things that can be only be purchasable. But the the amount of customization that you can do to your character and to your rider and your bike in this game is just ridiculous. Like, can I floss or do the Carlton? There are emotes, yes. I don't know okay. if it's either, you know, the backpack kid might be in there, man. I'm not sure. <laughs> Orange shirt kid. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Orange shirt kid. Call the lawyers. Um, yeah. But, like, I w- I'm hoping that they figure out a way to allow, like, custom images to be uploaded into this somehow. Um, I think that some of that has kind of gone away a little bit. But there's, like, this sticker system in the game where you can have they, – they have a bunch of pre-made um, logos and images and things like that you can put on your rider or on your bike and you can actually like change the position of it you can rotate it like 180 degrees you can you know uh, increase the size of the image or decrease the size of the image and it actually kind of like curves around the back of your jacket when you have the jacket on you can change the colors and stuff like that um, every time you level up you get like the quote unquote their loot box that has a bunch of unlocks in it as well as you know things like that so um, and then you know I didn't really talk about it very much, but I can see in the post that's on the site now that Josh, there's different, um, the, the classic Ubisoft, different versions of the game, the gold version, the silver version and stuff like that that come with more things. Um, but it's a thirty nine ninety nine game. So that's like a, like a, a, I think it's a really sweet spot price point for this game. And if you like trials, like if you like the trials franchise, this is more of that looks better. The tracks are fun. The track editor is crazy. Um, and it's just a, a, 
a solid game of a of a tried and true franchise. Like, there's not much else to to really say about that. Um, the other thing that I was able to do um, last week, uh, I was went back to San Francisco, <laughs> back to the same venue <laughs> with the same PR people a whole week later. Um, but I got to play uh, Far Cry New Dawn. So we have an interview for Far Cry New Dawn with Olivia Alexander. She's the narrative designer in the game. And Greg Burke, who is the voice actor of Joseph Seed, the father, one of the uh, main villains from Far Cry 5. So we're going to go to that interview now. All right. So we are here at a, the Far Cry New Dawn event uh, from Ubisoft. If you guys can introduce yourselves and tell us what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm Olivia Alexander. I'm a narrative designer in Far Cry New Dawn. And my name is Greg Brick, and I am reprising my role as the father of the New Dawn. Yeah, one of the main characters from Far Cry 5. Um, so can, uh, can you tell me about like the reason for why New Dawn exists? Like, What was the thought process behind creating it? So. Yeah. Uh, Far Cry has always been really good at picking its settings and what we really wanted to do for a while was to have a post-apocalyptic setting. And we were in early concepts for Far Cry New Dawn while we were wrapping up production in Far Cry 5, so this was a really organic sort of way to sort of flow from one idea and exploration to the next. And it takes place 17 years after the events of Far Cry 5? Yes. Okay. Um, And you are, um, I guess, maybe... I. A freedom fighter, I guess, essentially, like your character? You're, you're uh, a captain of security. So you are part of this group that's been moving up the west coast of America to try and rebuild settlements after the huge wave of destruction that hit the continent, the world. Uh, you are traveling with a man named Thomas Rush, who has a lot of experience doing this, and he's been called to Hope County uh, to help uh, sort of strengthen their settlement and rebuff this, these new and, uh, and daunting antagonists known as the Highwaymen. Uh, and they're led by uh, co-leaders, twin sisters, Mickey and Lou. Yeah. And then um, you bring in your role back as one of the um, main characters from Far Cry 5. Like, how was it to, to hear that you would be doing that again? Yeah, it was, uh, it was exciting. Uh, uh, the father playing Father in Far Cry 5 was one of the great creative journeys that I've had in my life. It was just a, a very complicated and dark and compelling character. And as an actor, that's, that's what you want. And then when they approached me about coming back as the father and it would be 17 years later, I thought it was really interesting because the end of five, he's such a broken man, everything that he loves has been taken away from him. And I find it interesting after a cataclysm in your life, after the darkest hour, what emerges from that. And for the father, it's creating a paradise on earth, creating a new Eden where we've renounced technology, we have no mechanized weaponry. It's a community of humans, of people caring about each other, about living simply and honestly. Um, So it's a, I'm able to realize the vision of a perfect humanity that I had uh, in Far Cry 5. So that was, that was exciting. But wherever you build heaven, hell is sure to follow. And then what about the, like the tiebacks and the callbacks you have to Far Cry 5 like, or, or building on top of the world that was already there like that's a little bit of a thing that you guys have never done in Far Cry before mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a very interesting thing because it's very visceral to sort of see a changed silhouette of a landscape that's, that's so recognizable uh, 
Far Cry New Dawn is something that no one, someone who's never picked up a, a Far Cry game can pick up and enjoy. But fans of Five who, who know Hope County backwards and forwards and who, and who quite like it will really be in for a chilling experience to come back and see these landmarks that were so iconic to them that are either half buried or overtaken by nature or, or half broken and, and things like that. And it is a bit of a metaphor for how many of the people in Hope County have, have gone on. Many of them uh, didn't. <laughs> Many of them didn't make it, and the ones that did are tough as nails and irreversibly changed. They are recognizable as themselves, but they've they've been through quite a lot. Um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and then some of the changes that you guys have made from Five to New Dawn, um, like during our presentation today, it was like the replayability of the outposts and things like that. Like that was one of the things that slowed some bothered me a bit. As you were clearing, you could reset some outposts, but as you were clearing Hope County, it kind of got empty um, like you would be driving around and like as you were liberating outposts and stuff like that but you guys have set up a system for replayability with that yes uh, uh, narratively what it means is that the survivors had many many places in Hope County that they sort of rebuilt from the ground up either for example an ethanol processing plant because ethanol is crucial to you know running generators electricity cars that kind of thing uh, since gas is no longer a thing that exists um, so, for example, when the highwaymen came in, they would take these facilities, like the ethanol processing plant. The idea is, as the player, you come back in, you take these places back. And once you have it back, sure, you have a functional ethanol facility, but also prosperity's very weak. Prosperity can still be open and vulnerable to attack. So what you do, you take the scrap metal, the ethanol, the little pieces that make that ethanol plant, and you drag them back to prosperity to make it stronger, but that leaves that plant open again for the highwaymen to come back with stronger numbers uh, and with an even bigger challenge because they, they're not going to be fooled again. Mm -hmm. So when you come back, it's an even greater sort of hill to climb to try and retake that place again, but the rewards are bigger because the risk is too. Um, and then like, tell me about the twins and like their motivations and what, like, why are they doing what they're doing? Mm -hmm. The twins were... The twins are a product of the world that they grew up in. They were only children when the collapse hit. Um, and initially, uh, their dad saw the world change and immediately clamped down. He, he started the group of highwaymen initially, and they took everything for themselves, and they, they hoarded it, and they squirreled it away. And eventually, as light returned to the earth and rain, and things started to improve, and the twins came of age, they sort of looked around and said, we don't need to scrimp and save. We don't need to tighten our belts all the time. We can take whatever we want and sort of live like there is no tomorrow because for all we know there isn't. And they sort of realized that their dad was becoming more of a problem than, than the problems he was solving and they sort of solved him as a problem and took over for themselves. Um, they are very much people who uh, look after their own unless, you know, they become, they have to teach a lesson and things like that. They are people who have their own nuanced philosophy but are still a united front against the player and they present a new and daunting challenge that the player has never come across before in the series of Far Cry. Um, and only because our listeners would be very upset, but can you tell me a little bit about your story arc, with maybe without spoiling anything, of like how you fit into this? Yeah, so after, after everything ended, we began again, and I was able to create a community, New Eden, based on the principles that were handed to me from God. We live in a world without technology. We live in a world of brother and sisterhood. 
Um, I have a son who, uh, when the game takes place, has taken over the, the cult, taken over the family in New Eden, and I've sort of gone up onto a hill. Um, we're surrounded by threats. Paradise is at risk of being lost, and we need to unify ourselves and beat back the attacking hordes, which are the highwaymen. Um, so it's very much it's um, the final stand of a broken man. Okay. Uh, and New Dawn comes out very soon, right? February fifteenth. February fifteenth. Feb fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> right after so, Valentine's Day. Thank you guys so much. Hey, mm-hmm. pleasure talking. Okay. Um, fair warning, if you have not completed Far Cry 5, there is almost nothing that I can do to avoid spoiling the way that Far Cry 5 ends. All right, we talked about this. <laughs> we talked about this um, the, when they showed this at the Video Game Awards. So the first thing, I'll be very vague, Josh. <laughs> you have to read the piece. Nope, he's got headphones off. <laughs> he's got his headphones off. Um, all right, so... I'll get it over with really quick. So at the end of Far Cry 5, um, at the end of Far Cry 5, there is a catastrophic event that happens. <laughs> and um, the the bomb, like, turns everything into a post-apocalyptic world. Um, so when he decides to put his headphones back on, that's where we're at with that. <laughs> so, um, but, so Far Cry New Dawn takes place 17 years after the events of Far Cry 5. Um, you are playing as a chief security officer. You can, again, pick your character as a man or a woman, but you don't get to, like, customize the way your character's face or anything looks like. So, um, and you are uh, traveling on a train with uh, Thomas Rush, who is a somebody that's been reestablishing societies and stuff like that after the events of Far Cry 5. Um, and the he's been called to Hope County to uh, help with that establishment. <laughs> and uh, he, on, your, on, his, on the way there, his train is hijacked by, is hijacked and crashed by the highwaymen, which are led by the, the twins, uh, Mickey and Lori, who are your main villains in Far Cry New Dawn. So that is the, the gist of it. The twins are, um, have grown up in the post-apocalyptic world, and they have learned about how things are working now and they are, their philosophy is if they can't uh, take it from you, then they'll just break it from you. Um, and they are, you know, two uh, women uh, villains in the game. And so it is new Dawn is kind of a, which I guess a lot of people would possibly call like a reskin because you are in the same area of Hope County. You're in the same, you know, in the same County, a lot of the same landmarks and similar things are still there. Obviously it's, in a post-apocalyptic setting, so a lot of like the vegetation has taken over after years of nuclear winter and things like that. Um, the gameplay—they're not like really reinventing anything with the gameplay. Um, they are looking to tell a very interesting story arc in terms of tying it into Far Cry Five. Um, one of your guns for hire system that's in there is um, the a, a baby. I mean, not, not a baby now, but she's 17 years old. You in in the in the story mission of Far Cry 5, you actually helped get his her mom to the hospital to deliver the baby. And now she's a 17-year-old girl in the game, and she ends up being a gun-for-hire for you. Um, the gun-for-hire system is in there still, along with um, 
liberating the outpost. Uh, the outpost liberation has a little bit more replayability to it now because you can let the outpost, you can liberate the outpost, and you can harvest the materials and everything that you need to help upgrade your home base. Um, the home base is prosperity. Uh, there's a lot of upgrading that you can do there, um, and then you can also choose to reset the outpost to make it a harder. Um, thing for you to take back and then the risk reward with that is that you give it you give control back of it to the highwaymen they take it over again um and they actually add up they put up more obstacles and more things for you to make it the challenge harder um but you can also while that's going on uh once if you complete that on a different level you get higher rewards so one of the things the problems that far cry 5 had is like after you kind of like started liberating the map the world got very large and empty because you were just kind of like eliminating all of the problems and nothing ever else came back anymore so you were you would travel from point a to point b and nothing would get in your way because you had already liberated all of it um so uh then you still have the guns for hire system in there you still have like some of the upgrading of your weapons and things like that in there you still have um, co-op is still there, um, and the co-op system still does not let the non-host progress. You're not the only one that has complained to this. Do they just not care? Like, I, I, I don't think that they know how to do it. Like, I, you, you can still harvest the materials, but the, the, you, the, the player that plays with you still gets the materials that, and stuff like that that they pick up and things like that, yeah. but the host is the one that's progressing through the missions. Um, I think that part of the problem, it's, it's, I can see both sides of it. Part of the problem with it, 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 it's very nonlinear. So it's very open world. You can go wherever you want you can pick up whoever you want in any kind of order and you can play a lot of the stuff in, in the order that you want to play it in. So therefore I think that it would be, I feel like sometimes it'd be easier to allow that. Oh, like let's find out what I haven't done and Michael hasn't done and let's work on that together. You know, or, oh, I already did that, so let's try to find something else different. You know, like, I could, so instead of somebody being on mission 10 and me only being on mission 3 to where, like, obviously I can't help you in mission 10 because I'm only at level 3, you know, if something was that linear. So I don't understand it either. Um, But, I mean, at least that you get to keep the materials and things like that and the things you unlock, which I feel like is a little bit of an improvement. Um no uh, Far Cry arcade, uh, Far Cry arcade in this one, um, and no like PvP. So this is just the story missions, or just the just the new dawn, just the campaign setting. Um, and again, it's a it's a thirty nine dollar game. It's a very very quick turnaround from Far Cry Five. Um, I initially personally thought when I saw this announced at the Video Game Awards that this l- looked like an expansion or a quote unquote like a money grab. That mm-hmm. Ubisoft was going after, trying to capitalize on like what we were talking about earlier and the the success of Far Cry Five. Um, it is, but it's a fl- it's a pretty fledged uh, fleshed out game though in terms of the story and how they're teasing things and stuff like that. There's a pretty interesting uh, story arc tease in there that ties Joseph Seed into it, as you guys heard in the interview. Um, the way that you know his his character has evolved and stuff like that over the over the last couple of years. Um, but this you know this is another game. This comes out like in less than a month. It comes yeah. out like February fifteenth, and it's almost less than a year from when Far Cry Five came out. Yeah, I'm just wondering how much they because like you're still playing in the same area, right? But it's mm-hmm. seventeen years in the future or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering how much it changed, and it's not just dressing. Um, you know? 
the I was I had full access to the world when I played, and the, there was quite a lot that's changed. I was obviously wasn't able to get to everything that I wanted to get to, and and things like that. Um, the upgrading system. Um, there's enemies, there's levels to weapons and levels to enemies now. So it's like there's a tier one, a tier two, and a tier three. Um, and your your goal is to out-level your enemy. Like you don't want to be out-leveled by the enemy. Like if you are if you have a level one weapon and you're facing a level two enemy, you're going to have a problem. Um, so I think that kind of goes into, into a little bit of the replayability loop of making, like once you get higher leveled, like resetting your outposts. But... Um, it's definitely something that I went into it with kind of like a little bit of skepticism. Um, like I wrote in my piece that I was kind of scratching my head at how soon this game was announced and I was kind of worried about it. But like you heard in the interview, like they, the, the people, the Far Cry developers, like they really had been wanting to do a post-apocalyptic setting. Mm-hmm. And the, a lot of the Far Cry games are very much focal points of the villain and the area that you're in. It's never really about your character. It's always, you know, like Hope County was about this county being controlled by a cult and having its own weird uh, innuendos and everything like that. And then your character was kind of like a nameless character that was just a deputy, you know, and now you're just a you're just a security chief or, you know, a security agent or whatever it is. And, you know, like your character doesn't really do a whole lot of talking. You do a lot of listening and you're kind of just like a like I refer to him even in the interview kind of like as a, like a freedom fighter, like you're just there because you're train crashed or you were pulled you were called there so it's never really about you as the player it's about your experience in the area and the the villains so um huge huge thank you to ubisoft over the last you know couple of weeks to to give us access and everything to those events ubisoft has been very good to us over the years and they continue to do that so you know big props to them so um we'll see if we can get josh to to put his headphones back on Uh, you want to talk about your streaming did you mention it already Oh, I did not. So, um, you can put them back on, Josh. <laughs> um, so, t- uh, we're going to get them. Uh, they'll be on Twitch replays and stuff like that. But uh, my wife and I did start the first three encounters of Detroit. So, um, so I played through the first three encounters of Detroit Become Human. And then my wife played the next three encounters of Detroit Become Human. Um we did that at, at, on one consecutive stream, and we're going to try to uh, upload them to YouTube of Encounter 1, my side, Encounter 2, her side, as one video. Encounter 1 to Encounter 1. Um, so I don't have a schedule of like when we're going to always do that. It might just be when certain times that we're both at home or she, if she has time. So she may do them all on stream. She might not. depends on how comfortable she gets live streaming with the webcam on and everything like that. So she did it today. She did a really good job. Um, but I had a hard time because, uh, I got to go to that event, you know, months ago where I got to play the first four hours of the game and I'm still not through that point yet. So once I get through that point, I'll probably have a lot more interest in it. Cause right now I kind of feel like I'm going through the motion cause I had to do that whole thing with Connor on the roof again and, you know, trying to save the girl, like everybody has seen a hundred times and then you know playing through the encounters and it you know this is like the third or fourth time that i've played that encounter and this will be the second or third time that i've played the first couple of hours of the encounter <clears throat> so um but if you are around when we do this it'll probably be in the afternoons or or you know mostly in the afternoons maybe the evenings um i'll try to give you guys enough heads up on facebook and twitter of like a couple hour lead up to when we're going to do it if you have any interest in watching it so um 
but I'm I'm happy that I'm in, I'm getting into Detroit. I still I, I want to get into Spider Man and things like that. So, but like that's it for playing and watching and my impressions. Um, do we want to talk minecarts at all right now? No, we probably should because we we're gonna. That's happening next week, or yeah. at least the nomination portion. Yeah. So we have all the voting and everything done, um, staff wise for the minecarts. Um, I might repeat some of the stuff that the guys have said before. I know they briefly talked about it the week that I was gone, um, but we have dramatically narrowed the categories down, like cut them down eighty percent, probably. Josh, <laughs> no, I'm, it was twenty six categories last year now it's five yeah <laughs> so um a couple of reasons that we cut the categories down um one there was just way too many just just way too many categories it had grown to a little bit of uh craziness and obviously like some of the categories got cut down over the last couple of years because you know ps3 is kind of gone has gone away um uh, vita is slowly obviously going away and then vr is kind of coming more into into the front into the fort into the front and then um obviously ps4 so the categories that we have are ps4 game of the year psvr game of the year ps vita game of the year rpg of the year and multiplayer of the year right yep yeah okay um when the balloting, the voting goes live on the website, um, you will be able to vote one time and one time only. Um, it will be open for 10 days. The goal would be for the balloting to go live when next week's episode uh, launches. Um, I have a goal of attempting to live stream this, this show on Sunday night. Um. So, what is the date? The twenty. The, the Royal Rumble. You son of a bitch! Yeah. Is that the same date? Is that? <laughs> yeah. February third. The twenty seventh. No. Oh, twenty seventh. Yeah, January twenty yeah. seventh is the day out. that Sorry. I would like to live stream the podcast. Um, that Sunday evening. So we'll start. You might. We'll start to see some social media push and things like that for that. Um, but. That is where we're at. Um, Michael and Josh, do you have anything you want to add? Mm, no, it's going to be interesting. I mean, people were wondering, like, over the last couple of years, we've heard, you know, like, people have issue with uh, opening, having our vote is, was it twice a day for two weeks straight? So we stopped that, uh, you know, got rid of that just so we can... Not have to worry about people stuffing the ballots, which I, I don't believe we've really had that much of an issue with in the past, but it was enough of a concern that it it, it, it discouraged people from voting. So we tried to solve that issue with the, the yeah. one vote per person. It discouraged people from voting in general. They're like, well, what's yeah. the point of my one vote if you're going to let somebody else vote, like, you know, whatever it was, 22 times, yeah. you know? Um, so that's why we made that move. Um, I did see someone uh, mention, you know, like they, they, they feel like the smaller games won't get... Uh, as much appreciation uh but because it's you know one vote per category if you can get a uh, fan base to rally they might be able to make a a dent uh we just had to move away from the 26 categories because it was just a lot of categories and uh people only really voted for the like game of the year for that specific platform like you would see 
uh, discrepancy uh, in the no- total number of votes for like the main platform votes compared to some of the subcategories that we had. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to like condense and focus the awards this year. Uh, and I think we found like a like a good balance um, with the categories we picked. Uh, I think most people will be happy with the nominations, but we'll still have a write-in category uh, as well. So if you don't see something uh, that we picked to nominate, uh, we do have a write-in category for you to uh, add your uh, favorite game. Uh, but that, that's pretty much it. So see how that goes. Yeah, I think the write-in thing is important. So, like, if we miss something... Um, and we're bound and, to miss you know, something. Yeah, when we miss something. Um, if there's, a you know, a group of you that are very passionate about it um, and you, you write it, you, you you do a write-in for it and let's say you get X amount of your, your, your friends or people that are passionate about that game to vote for it, with it only being... You don't have to worry about your votes being canceled out, like, by somebody else voting twice a day for Spider-Man or whatever they're going to vote for. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. the The intention would be that the the pot, the minecart voting go live the twenty seventh or twenty eighth of January, and then it would we would announce winners um, like February tenth, I think, because we would we'd have two podcasts: the twenty seventh and the th- and the week of the twenty seventh and the week of February third for that to go through, and then we would do the we would announce the official winners the second week of February. Yep. Um. So. That is where we're at with that. So if um, you have any feedback on the Golden Minecarts, please let us know. You can do that through the hashtag AskPSNation as well. And speaking of hashtag AskPSNation, we are going to move into the Community Spotlight. So we did not get any emails this week. So you can send emails to podcast at psnation.com. Um, you don't have to send emails in, but I, it is still a venue that's out there. I know that the hashtag SPSNation has seemed to be doing pretty well lately, as long as Michael sends the reminders out. <laughs> um, so, um, Josh, do you want to take this first question? Uh, okay. The first question is from Justin W. And he asks, is Anyone excited for Days Gone? It's coming out in about a month, and I feel that there is no hype for this game. Yeah. Wasn't it delayed we, past yeah, I think February? Can... I thought it was March. Or no, no, it's April. It's April twenty oh, yeah, sixth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, have time so. To it. Yeah, that's probably why you haven't been seeing any kind of hype or any kind of talk about it. Um, but either way, I. I don't know. I've talked about this. I just feel like I, I don't have a good feeling about it, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm more curious to see how it turns out than to actually play it myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah it's April 26th now. It was like yeah, February 26th. That's what I said. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. I know my shit. They have like they they started announcing um, like the collector's edition and stuff like that recently over the last couple of weeks the you know how the you know special editions and collector's editions and things like that so um, they are starting to to push it a little bit um, but I mean I've I've enjoyed what I played at some of the preview events and stuff like that I, I'm just as anxious as everyone else is for it to come out um, I think that I have some faith that the the story is going to be really good so. 
I hope it's going to be really good because they're hiding. They're they're holding a lot of stuff really close to their chest. Yeah, I'm like the opposite. So like going into Days Gone at E3 uh, last year, uh, I was just like, I thought the gameplay would be generic or bad and the story would be bad. But then I actually played it and had a lot of fun playing the game. Uh, I ended up going to the same demo like three times during E3 just because they had different uh, like sections of the game you can play and they were pretty different and kind of challenging. I ended up playing it like three times to see if I could do better. It was like one of those things where you had to like clear out like a certain amount of zombies like with like almost like trap the zombies into certain like booby traps and stuff like that. Um, And I was actually had a lot of fun with Freakers. Freakers. There's no uh, zombies. I'm. <laughs> I hope I review it, Josh. So then you have to change every time oh, I put zombie <laughs> in the game because there's zombies. Um, I actually really like the gameplay, but I am really concerned about like the story because I just haven't seen anything with it. Hopefully, because they've released a decent amount of story trailers over the last like two years, and uh, none of them have really grabbed me uh or like you know caught my attention or interest um so i'm just curious to see how that ends up turning out i i sony's hype train will probably start picking up in march right like it has to yeah and you would think uh how it turns out all right uh so on twitter at mario 17 if we had to which female wrestler would he choose as a tag team partner? I'm assuming that means me. <laughs> I might have shortened this question. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've thought about this because we've had like three, this is the third time we tried to record. So I've had time to think about this. My heart says I would pick Bailey to be my tag team partner because she's really nice and she's a good wrestler. But if I want to win the new tag team championships they announced, uh, I would have to go with Becky Lynch. Because I would ride her coattails because she's like the best in the WWE right now. And that is my very serious answer to this question. Isn't Didn't Vince McMahon's daughter wrestle? We don't talk about that, Josh. Okay, well, I would yeah. pick her because it's Vince McMahon's daughter, so I, I should win, right? <laughs> yes, actually, that's how he books his children. They, <laughs> they, get, top bo- they get top billing. Uh, Triple H's uh, wife as well, right? Yeah, that's Triple H's wife. So guaranteed to probably win if you have Stephanie McMahon. That is a good point, Josh. I think I'm going to go go with that one, too. Thank you. Triple H would just interfere. Look at me. I don't watch wrestling. I don't know shit, but I know that. (laughs) You know the McMahons have an ego. I know you go with the president's daughter. (laughs) That's how you win. So if you want a guaranteed win, you go with Stephanie McMahon. (laughs) Yep. Nailed it, Josh. Damn it. Thank you. Josh's wrestling minute. Yep. <laughs> All right, Michael, you want to take the last question? Sure. Uh, this is from uh, Noe. Um, will we get remastered collections of Resistance, Infamous, and Killzone? Huh. I wish. Same. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I don't think we will, especially, I mean, the only chance that you have is, like, if for some reason that they have a... The only reason I can think of it as a being a remote possibility is if there's some there's going to be some known content gap in the PS5. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Like I'm they sure. might do a bunch of games at launch, and then they know over the next six or eight months they don't have a bunch of stuff to show, so they're just gonna like try to you know bring coal back and things like that through like remasters and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious. Like, so for for like resistance, I feel like that is likely. Infamous is likely. I don't think Killzone's likely because they did like they tried to redo like Killzone. Killzone two and three are multiplayer focused, so I don't feel like. <sighs> No, they're, no, they're not. Well, I wouldn't say they're multiplayer focused. They they have like deep stories. That was they, the no, whole thing with sing- the Killzone they, games. They have single player campaigns, but the community didn't really care, or at least the community I played with. Uh, Killzone Two was interesting. Fuck Rico. Uh, Killzone Three <laughs> uh, was eh. Uh, Killzone One. Uh, I don't know. Killzone kind of has a problem in my head with Destiny, where the website had the better story well, than yeah. the actual games did. But Killzone, like the website, had like a like a two thousand year history of Killzone. I know, and, which was unbelievable. Was, yes, and I, I want that, um, and I felt like the Killzone games never actually delivered that. Yeah, um, but I don't think you can do like a Killzone two or three remastered without giving us the multiplayer for both of those games. Because I feel like... Yeah, well, yeah, people would expect that. But I would love to see a proper remaster of Killzone 1 Yeah, in a better engine, because that was a game that was overly ambitious and just way above, way pushing the technology way farther. it would be super cool to see like Blue Point do like the Shadow of the Colossus treatment to Killzone One. Oh my gosh! Oh, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I would rather because like um like some of the stuff that we I don't think we got a review copy of it, but like Resident Evil Two um like reviews and stuff have been hitting this week, and it's been it's reviewing really really well, and like a lot of the things that people are saying are like the tank controls are gone. You know, like yeah. they they essentially redid the game from the ground up. Yeah, and I think that's what you would need to have done to the Killzone games because, like, even watching like before they shut the servers down when Glenn was playing like Killzone Two and stuff like that, like it looks like a clunky, clunky game. <laughs> yeah, there's some weight on it. I wouldn't say clunky, but that yeah, that was and that was the biggest knock. That like Killzone and Little Big Planet were the most misunderstood games yeah. in terms of control and feel. Like that Little Big Planet, they were. But they were exactly as the developers wanted them to be, exactly as they expected them to be. All the players went in expecting Halo with Killzone, and they weren't getting, they didn't get that, oh, these people have weight to them, and they are real people with heavy guns and heavy armor, and they move slower. And which, is, which is funny now because now everybody wants a true boots to the ground yeah. shooter. Yeah. <laughs> and Little Big Planet was supposed to be your Mario. Yeah, everybody wanted it to be Mario. <laughs> when he didn't jump like Mario, everybody said it's floaty, it's all fucked up, it's broken. No, that's the way it was supposed to be. It was it was literally built to be that way, and I, those two got shit on so much for for people's expectations unfortunately so i i, I really want a resistance remaster i so do i i've been calling for that for years <laughs> i remember so i only played resistance 
Fall of Man once. And I have some great memories and nostalgia that I don't want to ruin by going back to it. Mm. So I would really like a Blue Point remake of like Resistance 1. And then 3. 3 was fantastic. 2 was kind of okay. 2 had issues because of how they changed some of the... Yeah. The, the, the structure of the game and like the weapon situation. But like I would love to return to 1 but in a fully like remastered sort of style. Yeah, um, I loved one. One was it was one of my first PS3 games that I played. It was my first. Sword. Yeah, well, I had Resistance and uh, Ridge Racer were the two first yeah. games that I got, and I went back and forth between them for weeks because they were just oh, they were the only games I had, but I loved them. So. Yeah. I, I waited to buy a PS3 like a year or two years before I bought a PS3 after it came out. And my first mm. three games were Resistance, Heavenly Sword, and Uncharted. Like, <laughs> I, <bad>. I <laughs> had a hell of a trifecta that day of just like, yeah, these yeah. are the three games that I'm buying today with this console. <sighs> so nice. I have amazing memories of Resistance 1. And like, Heavenly Sword's another one. I would love a remastered of Heavenly Sword. Actually, yeah. Heavenly Sword, I played a couple years ago, and it still f- graphically holds up. It's a cool game. Uh, but I wonder, like, Infamous, like, was it, it, I gameplay-wise, Infamous was fantastic, but visual-wise, it wasn't the greatest. Uh, just the way that the art style for that city didn't really pop or anything like that, because it was just like a dark and, like, like gritty type of city. Yeah, it, well, it, it had make... minor control issues, and you could see it was an early, early game. Um... Like infamous, the jump from infamous one to infamous two was noticeable oh. because they got the, oh yeah, very do noticeable. so much more with the environments and powers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I would be interested to see infamous one uh, remastered as well. I would like yeah, all of these would be good, uh, but Killzone needs multiplayer because uh, I can take or leave resistance multiplayer. I mean, two, one and two had very different multiplayer experiences. That well, yeah, I played the shit out of resistance one multiplayer. I played the shit out of Resistance 2 multiplayer because I wanted to get that 10,000 kill trophy that I never got. <laughs> and never will now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I would love those. Uh, Killzone would just, it would need multiplayer for me and I wouldn't want a best of multiplayer. I would want each, I would want Killzone 2's multiplayer separate from Killzone 3's multiplayer. Uh, but Yeah. That will get that. I really hope Bluepoint is working on something cool if they're just going to continue just remaking games. Uh, yeah, it'd just be interesting to see what's next for the because they got a the Sony has a whole bunch of stuff that they could use to you know. Oh, I did guess, you quote unquote Nintendo Fi how they've been doing things? So. Uh, did, sorry, I'm going to tangent for a second. Um, did you guys see the limited run games for Jack Two? No. Their limited run games on Friday are going to do a collector's edition for Jack 2. Uh, Jack and Dexter. Yeah. Uh, and it looks amazing. I don't like collector's edition, but the one that they have with a... It's it's it, the, the least expensive thing in that collector's edition is the thing that I want, which is a PS2 memory card that is a USB flash, uh, uh, flash drive. That's cool. <laughs> it, it just looks so cool. I, Figured I'd, I'd bring it up. I, d- I don't know. This will p- hopefully be posted before that comes out. But limited run on Friday will have uh, a collector's edition, 
and a standard edition of Jack and Dexter 2. Which will be sold out instantly. I know. They're doing, what, a 10 a.m. Eastern run and then a 6 p.m. Eastern run? Yeah, that's what they always do. Yeah. Just ping Palmer. He'll get it for you. Yeah. I'm sure it's only 85 bucks. No big deal. (sighs) I know, man. I I can't spend that type of money on a memory card. (laughs) It's eight and a half subs, Michael. You'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's only... Like a week's worth of Subway. Oh, God. I, I don't even eat Subway that much, but that's how I do currency, apparently. <laughs> All right. So, uh, if you have any other feedback for us, you can send us an email to podcast at psnation.com, like I mentioned. Um, you can also continue to use hashtag AskPSNation on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, speaking of Twitter, you can follow the main account which is at PS Nation. You can follow Josh's account at PJF Josh, where you can see him tweet pictures of cupcakes that he does not bring for anybody. Fuck um, yeah. <laughs> you can also follow uh, Michael. Uh, his is at the first MJC, 1ST. Um, and you can see him try to use video game references as sexual expletives. What? Um, <laughs> Smash Brothers. Oh, okay. I was like, hold on. You have to, like, like what did I do? <laughs> Um, and you can follow myself at the Destiny Dave. Um, I don't tweet as much as I should, but I've been trying to a little bit more. So um, you can also just go to psnation.com, click on the forums. There's conversations going on in the forums randomly. Um, what people are reading, what they're listening to, what they're watching, uh, deals. You know, just uh, conversations are going on in there. Um, and then, uh, like we mentioned, uh, facebook.com slash psnation page, where you can just drop a like on the page. And then you'll also see whenever we put anything up on the website or when uh, Michael puts the question up at 2 o'clock in the morning of like what you have for the next episode. I usually do it in the morning because I'm at work. <laughs> I ask random questions at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so we should read some of those ones on the show, too, that you do, because that one you did for first purchase of 2019 was kind of cool. A lot of Kingdom Hearts and Resident Evil 2 on there. Yep. <laughs> Surprisingly, only one person for Anthem. I, I was kind of shocked. Yeah. Yeah, I think with the the beta and or the demos and stuff coming out for Anthem the next uh, two weeks, that'll be interesting. I'm hoping to get my hands on some of that stuff so I can talk to you guys about that from a little bit of a looter shooter aspect. And um, there are always a lot of concerns around Anthem, but if you are worried about Anthem, um, there are there is tons and tons of content coming out. They've been flying people to Stockholm to play the game. They've been flying people to Austin to play the game and stuff like that a lot. Um, so there are is plenty of things to um, to just start googling about Anthem. Um, if you need uh, perspective on maybe who to, to pay attention to, I will. If you tweet at me or say something on Facebook, I'll I'll send you in the right direction. Of you know, because I know some people don't like the big sites and stuff like that all the time. They like to see some of the smaller people, but it's EA, so it's harder to get some of the smaller sites. So, but I can sh- I can give you some direction. Uh, Briefly, like he's a friend of the he Glenn's been on it on their show, uh, Paris from Gamertag Radio. He's got some pretty cool anthem stuff coming out. Uh, Gamertag Radio is a good place to go for that kind of stuff as well. So, um, that is it for this week. So, next week, we are hopefully going to have a golden minecart special episode technology pending. Um, the, the, the goal would be myself, Michael, Josh, Wyatt, and Andy, all the podcasters on having a conversation that we will live stream on Sunday night, the 27th. So 
definitely keep an eye on Twitter this weekend and Facebook. We will definitely do a big social media push. And please come, you know, come hang out. Just say something if we if we are able to pull this off. Just come say hi and chat. Drop the game in there that you want to, you know, push or for us to have a little bit of a conversation about. And don't spoil um, the Royal Rumble or I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Live podcasting is something that I've had on my agenda for a while, so I really want to see how well this goes for us. It might be something we could do a little bit more in the future. So um, that's all I've got. Michael, you got anything else? I just wish the Dreams beta wasn't in under an NDA. That's all I wish. <laughs> Josh just gave me a look. I'm the only person on the planet that didn't get into it, apparently. Yeah. Man, I wish there was no NDA. And my kid is the only person on the planet who really wants to play it badly. <laughs> but well, yeah. yeah, but that's why you yeah. didn't get it, Josh, because you know yeah. your kid's going to go tattle at everybody in <laughs> first grade or whatever. He's... Yeah. yeah, I'm they sure know. that'll <laughs> that'll kill them. Yeah, he's kindergarten. All right, so kindergarten. hopefully we talk to you guys next week from a live format. If not, that podcast will still be uploaded as normal to the feed and everything like that as well. So if you're not somebody that's going to be able to catch it, then Please don't worry. However, everyone has a great week. Talk to you later. See ya. Got to switch disc in my burner. Hang on a second. <laughs>